Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. talkative, are you? We very rarely are. Perhaps a natural reaction, a consequence to being what we are. Being here, but at the same time, somewhere else. Sometime else. A feeling of deja vu. In addition, I also hate talking while I drive. Yeah, yeah, uh, look. I don't want to be rude or nothing, but I've got to ask. Is it that you can see the future? Like visions or something? I swear I've spent over half my life here and I'm still trying to get how all the psychic stuff even works. Can't wrap my head around it, you know. Wayland's webbed hands spin the steering wheel of his flight car with an almost unearthly smooth efficiency that Johnny couldn't help but appreciate. He let her words hang between them for the moment as he banked into a turn under the arch of the high bridge that connected the twin spires of one of Arcadia's tallest buildings. They called it Haven, an arcology for some of the district's remaining privileged holdouts, a last bastion against what this place had become. She watched his expressionless face as the light from the skyscrapers they passed between briefly illuminated the cabin of the vehicle. Well, you're full of surprises, aren't you? Going off-road usually gets someone shot down, especially around here. Rich bloods don't like us coming too close to their little clubhouse without business. You, uh... Showing off, then? Not showing off. A shortcut. I wish for this exchange to be conducted as quickly as possible. No offense. In explanation, Waylon reached up to tap a finger to a badge she hadn't noticed, pinned to a plastic visor above his windshield, next to the slot his hollow screen might slide down from, had he need for it. You're badged. Nick might have mentioned that. A necessity. My vocation often means that I must access places in Arcadia not generally accessible, if it is any comfort. My association with the Authority is nearly as mercenary as your business with Mr. Ballard. Some short fucking relief that is. Also, you didn't answer my question. It was my hope that you had forgotten. Very well. It is not that I can see the future, it is rather that I might look to the past. Specifically, the past of things, objects, places. They are less visions than they are echoes that I must process. Trauma is an exceptionally difficult obstacle, a hurdle that, in my line of work, is all too common. 
if uncomfortable. You will understand soon. Well, you're not wrong about that. Holocom Sean, we've just about reached our stop. Gonna want to pick a landing somewhere over by that cluster of buildings. See him coming up on your left? Let's stay clear of the canal, yeah? Two out in the open to land on the causeway. The investigator nodded in response to her directions as the grav engine reversed its thrusters, beginning their descent to touch down on the roof of a building only half a block shy from the compromised safe house Nick's contact had been holed up in. <sighs> All right, we don't know a lot about what happened. Nick's got some hands on some reports logged in by the authority who got called in to play cleanup. Two dead bodyguards and our man. Reports say the muscle was done dirty while the mark himself was put out cleanly. Professionally, for whatever that means. It's the kind of piss-poor detail you can expect from someone who's not actually going to follow up on a call. Fortunately, that means the authority isn't likely to be back. I'm going to be straight with you. I usually like to do a bit more legwork than this, when I know someone with skills spreads someone's brains out for him. We haven't got time for it. Understood. I will require uninterrupted access to the crime scene. That's why Nick got you the best in the business, detective. Best let me go first. If a pro was on this hit, then they might have left some uh, surprises behind in case of a follow-up. I'll let you know when the coast is clear. You just do your best not to get too lonely up here while I'm gone. She gave Waylon a wink before turning to hop from the ledge of the two-story building they'd landed on, her long coat billowing up around her as she touched down upon the great <coughs> causeway that followed the length of the canal. Barely missing a step, Johnny started forward, minding to stay to the cover of walls and other visual obstacles, as she bridged the remaining distance to the safe house. Police holotapes sectioned off the front door of the building from general access, though she noted the windows were left unguarded. Without missing a beat, she lobbed a palm-sized metal ball through a broken window pane before dropping down, her back against the wall under the window's ledge. An electropomp was an expensive way of making sure that you weren't walking into any unfortunate surprises. Johnny liked blowing such an expensive little trinket nearly as much as she enjoyed the permeating charge of dissipating static electricity or the stink of burnt wires and smoldering plastic it left behind. She liked walking into a room rigged with explosives or full of shadowy hitmen even less. Truth be told, she had no idea how these things even worked and she didn't need to. Understanding the science of it was hardly necessary as the discharge was already transmitting a detailed map of every surface inside the dark building to a holocom. Pulling said device from her jacket, the soft glow of the projected image illuminated her relieved face as she noted, no immediate alerts. Waylon, pump coming up clean. You're clear to come on down. Johnny was already clearing the remaining glass from the window by the time the detective had joined her. A wry smirk flashed across her face as she bade Waylon to climb through the window and take the lead. She would, of course, be one step behind him. Whew, all right, let me get the lights then. Fuck me, that's a lot of blood. The report said the killing shot looked professional, but there's nothing professional about any of this from what I see. You're not wrong. Three bullets in the wall, a wide spread and a low caliber. Whoever killed that one was pulling the trigger in frenzied succession. An unpracticed shooter. I fear that the report left out some important details. Moving over to a large bloodstain on the floor, 
He knelt down beside it before touching two fingers to the sticky, still damp surface. Lids flickered sporadically over large black eyes as the Merce seemed to struggle to focus, as if someone was shining a flashlight at him. Confusion. A father, thinking about his daughter, contemplates leaving this life. Knows he won't. He looks up from the magazine he's reading on his holocom. Gunshots and pain. He will not believe that this is how he dies. His eyes close as his mouth fills with blood. He is dead. Well, that was unnerving to say the least. I assure you, the experience is also as uncomfortable as you might imagine. I believe that your contact is the one who killed this one. Inexperienced hands flooding the air with panicked shots. I do not need my gifts to surmise that he moved from this kill to the other room, where he would repeat a similar act, this time at a greater cost to himself. He meets his other bodyguard here, but this one would be ready. Two bullets in the wall over there. Your man would take gunfire and return this time. The trail of blood in the other room was his own. Now, the only question that remains is why. Johnny could only follow after the detective as he worked watching while he pieced together the scene through a mix of old-fashioned investigation and dead memories. Whatever she'd expected from this job and the psychic ability Wayland commanded, it hadn't been any of this. She hadn't expected that he'd feel what these men had experienced. It was utterly macabre, but yet, at the same time, incredibly sad. The trauma that Wayland was subjecting himself to while remaining together was, well, as impressive as it was tragic. Much like the first patch of blood, he settled down beside the smear he'd identified as belonging to their man before slipping once again into the past. Hands slick and dripping, dripping like water, but it's not water, blood. Trying to stand, but he slips again and again. Panic. He's scrambling, can't regain his footing, so he crawls. Hysterical. Begs wordlessly for his mother, but she passed from this world eight years ago. Coughs up more crimson. Note, the blood is his. Shot through the chest two times. He's dying. His hands drag down the door as strength fails. The shot rings out. He dies. I'll need more time. This is not an exact science. One thing I do know is that the panic was influenced. Someone was controlling his instincts, forcing his will. I'll be over here if you need me. You just take whatever time you need. That couldn't have been easy. His only response was a slight nod before entering into a trance once more, muttering to himself while he sifted through scattered moments. All she could do now was wait unable to do anything more than watch the man suffer through his ordeal. What she did know for certain was that this had to be the answer as to why she hadn't ever met any psychic who was tuned the way Wayland was. Shit, looks like we've got a caller. Well, take care of it. He knows. Realization as he pulls the trigger on his bodyguard. The operation compromised. Of course it would be, he thinks. Estella Morgan, too valuable. They'd never let her go without a fight. Frustrated, these delays had cost him his life. She's coming. I 
know you. Get down. Now! The knocking is a sensory illusion. She's... The hail of bullets had barely stopped before the assassin had leapt through the open window. A graceful headfirst dive that shifted into a roll as she tossed her empty submachine gun away mid-flight. In a near instantaneous flash, the figure sprung up, a katana seeming to leap into her control as she spun into a slash meant to take Wayland's life. A vicious and deadly dance, one that would have no doubt been successful if not for a collision with Johnny's cyber arm. The merc putting herself between the life and the life taker. With a roar, Johnny pushed back on the assassin, her sword grinding and scraping along the surface of the armored cyber limb, forcing the attacker to give ground. It seemed there was some joy to this for the assassin. Johnny could see it in her eyes as she extended her free hand to unleash a telekinetic push that flung Waylon across the room and into a wall. With one final shove, Johnny sent the attacker sliding backwards. Much to her surprise, the killer didn't immediately retaliate, but rather slid her half mask down to reveal a rakish smile as she regarded her opponent. That was pretty fast. I like it. Let me guess. Adrenal pump? Actually, don't answer. I can see it in you. The twitch. You're Johnny, aren't you? What's it to you? Look, are we gonna stand around tongue-wagging? How are we gonna do this? Why not indulge both? The night's so very young. Dangerous talk, lad. But unlike you, I've got places to be. Raising her pistols without any more ceremony, the smooth discharge of the mag rounds leapt out from their barrel, only to be impossibly deflected mid-air by the assassin as she lunged towards the ground and into a low stance, free hand trailing above her to telekinetically redirect the bullets to punch large holes through the ceiling above. It was now Johnny's turn to curiously analyze her opponent, eyes squinting and guns trained and ready on trigger. Taking a moment to slide her half-mask back in place, the intruder readied herself to spring into action for what would be a killing assault. She envisioned the tip of her curved blade moving up past Johnny's less-than-complete defenses. She could almost feel it, the merc's warm blood running over the pommel of her blade as it slid through flesh and past bone. The image was so complete and certain in that split second that it was nearly reality. Except that it wasn't. Instead, a wave of emotion pounded through her mind, washed over her thoughts and stripped bare her will. Unspeakable, unbelievable, maddening anguish tore into her psyche, forcing her to lose control of her body as she was tossed down to roll across the ground, thrashing uncontrollably before colliding against the door to the building. The assassin could feel the delayed sights of those moray pistols on her as she fought desperately for control. She was sure, past the pain of the mental assault she was enduring, that the only reason she was alive was because Johnny had no idea what she was seeing. It was that damned fishman, she cursed, screaming internally while she beat her palms roar against the floor. Finally, by force of will, she clumsily sprung to her feet to throw herself through the door. With shots sounding out behind her, she stumbled onto the causeway before splashing down into the murky canal. Johnny was only a moment behind her, but it was a moment too late. From the doorway of the building, Waylon held himself up, blood trickling down from a nasty head wound he'd taken in his collision with the room's wall. 
Johnny was already removing her long coat and getting ready to jump into the canal after her foe. It's no use. I'm afraid we're not going to find her in there. Bullshit! I was only a step behind her! She couldn't have made it far. Not with whatever you did to her. Just let me get off this boot! It is not that I doubt your resolve. It is that your mind has clearly not been conditioned to resist psychic intrusion. You're chasing a ghost. So what then? We just let her go? We finish your job. I know now who Mr. Ballard is looking for. The Utopian Society is looking to extract Estella Morgan, or more specifically, her only living clone. Miss Morgan's clone is, of course, the heir to Intercall's fortune, if you were unaware. You're sure? Looks like there's a hell of a lot more than I thought riding on whatever all this is. To keep a talent like that on call, to deal with a follow-up that may never have come? We're going to need to move fast on this. Correction. You're going to need to move fast. My part of this deal, as you mercenaries might say, is done. Now, the information I was promised. Fair. Take it. You've more than earned it. For what it's worth, I hope you make great whatever it is that's eaten you. I hope you find that girl. Cybernautica Breakwall is produced by Red Fathom Entertainment. This episode featured the voice talents of Abigail Turner as Johnny, Luke A. as Waylon, Forenza as Derby Bell, Travis Story as Evan, Madeline Darrow as Ella, narration by Dan Bowd, and script editing courtesy of Jupiter Sanders. Cybernautica is written, designed, and edited by Damian Sidlow. Our show is 100% fan-supported, no sponsors or ads, so if you like what you've heard here, please consider stopping by CybernauticaPod.com to find out how you can back the show, as well as the cool stuff that you can get for getting behind us. A special thank you to Girl in Space's Sarah Ray Werner and her Podcast Now Masterclass for helping light the fire that turned into this story. Thank you for joining us this episode, and welcome to Neo-Atlantis. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hello, Maria Kennedy from Hero Trackers here to tell you about a special report we've been working on at Hero Track Media. With the help of my producer Shayna, we are going to reveal the life story of a mysterious hero that as far as we can tell, has never been covered by a media outlet before. Subscribe to this podcast feed to learn more about this hero and the strange circumstances surrounding their life and career, and how they might be connected to your favorite heroes. Coming soon from Hero Track Media, Vigil. Vigil, Season 1, an audio fiction superhero thriller in 10 parts from All In Productions. Featuring Haley Sanfilippo as Maria Kennedy and Adam Kudashat as Vigil. Subscribe or follow to make sure you're the first to know about Vigil. Vigil.